She's drunk on magnets. It's my sister, Marissa. Can I braid your hair? No. Come on, let me braid your hair. (laughs) I don't have hair long enough for you to braid even if I wanted you to. Me either. Yeah. I loved Drunk Janet so much. I thought she was hysterical. Yeah, and they they did seed the idea of this being possible a few episodes ago. They did in the episode where she's trying to get over uh, Jason. Jason. Yeah. And, uh... (laughs) She says, Eleanor says to her, like, can you just get drunk? And she's like, well, if I stand close to magnets, you know, I get a little loopy. We are back to season two. We're back in the normal time stream. Yes. So uh, our last few episodes, with the exception of our last Jedi episode, were about content from season one. And also uh, there was one episode we did about the stuff that got left on the cutting room floor, the extended editions of, of episodes from season two so now we're back from hiatus the show came back uh as we're recording this the show came back last night so we are very excited to get back into this episode which is titled leap into faith uh but before we do that shall we do some housekeeping yes minor mild quick housekeeping yes so uh you can find us on twitter at the good play pod You can find us on Facebook. We have a Facebook group called The Good Play. You can find us on iTunes. You can now find us also on Google Play. Correct? Google Music? Something. Whatever the the Google Google thing is that has podcasts. podcasts. And you can find us on... Wait, I have our thing open. Goodplay.cast.rocks. I have it open. I was ready. Um... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> we have an email address at uh, thegoodplaypod at gmail.com. Yeah. Please email us. We yeah, have we received from... a single email? I don't, not from a real person. No. So uh, somebody will be the first and we will be very happy if it's you. We have, uh, we have a, a recommendation from Twitter that we should follow Psych USA, which is, of course, your favorite show of all time. My favorite show of all time. We should follow them. I'm we good. Should. Well, I already follow them, so... Yeah, they've got you. (laughs) So, let's dive into this episode. Do you want to... Let's recap, baby! All right, and then we've got a lot... I think this episode is going to give us a lot to discuss and dissect. A lot to talk about. I'm excited. Including bad place employee hierarchy. Mmm. Also, I caught a couple of Easter eggs. You did?! Yeah, that were only possible if you did some freeze framing and some screen capping and things of that nature. Remind me so that I don't forget to okay. talk about those. Easter eggs. Got it. Yes. <laughs> so, you know, the last, the the episode before the hiatus, uh, the cliffhanger there was Sean asking Michael to come into his office just after Michael has had this wonderful heart to heart with Eleanor. And we, of course, assume that Sean has discovered all of the reboots and is here to retire Michael. But it's actually the opposite. Uh, Sean has bought the one reboot story, Hook, Line, and Sinker, and thinks that 
Michael's neighborhood is going swimmingly and, you know, the emotional torture is working great. If you remember, Michael is is writing these fake uh, reports for Sean about how um, how devastated all of the humans are. And uh, so Sean says that this neighborhood idea is going to be expanded. It has gotten Sean a seat on something called the High Council. He also says Michael has been promoted and he gives him this gold pin. That's a thumbs down. It's a thumbs down. It all, yeah. <laughs> and Michael says, you know, this is everything we ever wanted. Although, you know, it's sort of left as an exercise to the viewer to figure out how convincing he sounds when he says that. The four humans are in Michael's waiting room and they're expecting to be briefed on their torture for the day that they kind of have to put up with, you know, to fit in around their leisure time. But they come in to find Sean with Michael and Michael kind of says, surprise, dummies, you're in the bad place. And the humans kind of play along like, whoa, what? We're in the bad place? Side note, can I just say, I am shocked that Jason did not give them away in this moment. I mean, that's a good point. <laughs> like, Absolutely yeah, we already knew shocked. Yeah. Like, I was like, oh, here we go. Jason's going to blow it. But he just didn't say anything, which I think was the only way that the writers could, like, make that plausible yeah <laughs> it's just jason just not saying maybe anything. he figured since there was somebody he didn't know in the room he should just pretend like he has his vow of silence still oh maybe and michael is kind of doing the season one finale reveal all over again although it's a little lamer this time he's really hamming it up yeah yeah he is which is i think supposed to make it difficult for us to tell if he has flipped sides or what yeah. Sean tells the humans that they've been rebooted once, but this second edition has been a huge success and um, he's going to shut the neighborhood down and study it. And he's going to take out the participants' brains and, and, and examine them and then use them as beach balls. Can I just, again, side note, we're going to get real sidetracked trying to do the synopsis, but aren't they spiritual beings at this point? What does it even mean to take out their brains? <laughs> They don't, they're not physical the way that they were on Earth. Surely they're not. Yeah, I didn't really think about that. I thought, I I mean, it's just, I don't know. This, this show continually confuses me in terms of, like, how material things are. Like, how much their bodies are actually bodies. No idea. <laughs> they haven't really thought about it, I don't think. Yeah. Or it's just considered kind of a laugh line. You know, he says we're going to play uh, beer pong with with Jason's testicles. It's like, well, that's right. No. <laughs> and Tahani looks absolutely stricken at that moment, yeah. <laughs> which is pretty hilarious. She holds his hand, which I thought was really sweet. Yeah. So Sean, you know, asks Michael how long it'll take to shut down the neighborhood. And Michael says, well, let's have a, you know, it's going to take me the day. So let's have a farewell party where we can trash the neighborhood. And by the way, Janet is incapacitated and she shows up and she's got magnetic bracelets on and she's acting like a drunk sorority girl. I love this so The much. entire episode. Loved it. <laughs> Loved it. So back in Eleanor's house, the, the cockroaches are sort of having a tete-a-tete about what exactly is going on. And three of them, minus Eleanor, are convinced that Michael has switched sides and they are debating whether to try to escape to Mindy Sinclair's or to try to trade information about Michael to Sean in exchange for a reduced sentence. But Eleanor is the odd one out here and says, you know, ignore what Michael said, blindly assume he's still on our side. Because when Michael and Sean had been speaking to them, Michael had mentioned Kierkegaard. And Eleanor believes it was a coded message because Kierkegaard is always talking about 
uh, a leap of faith. And then Chidi says, it's actually technically translated more correctly as leap into faith. And Eleanor says, it is so hard to be your friend. I love that. <laughs> that was maybe my favorite line reading yeah. of the whole episode. So, you know, there's some more sort of stuff between Michael and Sean and Vicky. You know, Sean is impressed that Tahani and Jason are together. He says that might be, must be really great torture for Tahani, which is, I don't know if that's true or not, interestingly enough. Yeah. Vicky comes in and she's super mad that Michael's going to get all the credit for this. But Michael's like, you know, just, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to help you out here. I'm going to make sure, you know, I can't tell him that you're in charge, but I'm going to make sure that you, you get recognized. Michael hosts a comedy roast of the four humans. Uh, it's sort of all the Bad Place employees are. So it, it's set up like the opening day spiel with all the Bad Place employees in the audience. But now um, there's like sort of a banquet table on, up on the dais um, with the four humans sitting at it. And he goes through each of them one by one and he roasts them. And it's super mean. It's really mean. It was hard to watch, I thought. Yeah, I mean, oh boy. The the one that got me was, um, he's roasting Eleanor and he says something, um, you know, he's, he, he says something like, okay, so I will, let me say two things about the Eleanor part specifically. He says, you thought you deserved a medium place, but you don't. You're bad, Eleanor. You belong right here. And there was something about the way that Ted Danson delivered the line, you belong right here. And the way that it was written that I was like, that is saying something. And it turns out to be uh, a coded message. Yeah. Um, but th- that specific line, the rest of them, I didn't catch anything. But that specific line, I was like, "That's he's trying to tell them not to go. But the other thing he does to Eleanor that just stabbed me in the heart was when she said something like, that's not really funny. That's not really a joke. He says, oh, you want a joke? Uh, how about this? You're in love with Chidi and he doesn't love you back. And I was like, oh. That is... That is my bad place. Whoa. Someone just being like, you like that person and they, or you love that person and they don't love you, love you back or you've got a crush on this guy and he doesn't want anything to do with you. And then oh. Chidi leans over and says, I consider you one of my closest. And she's like, not now, dude. And, I, and it's so, it's like, so like Chidi to try to want to smooth things over and like, <laughs> right. you know, console her in that moment. And she's like, just not having it. Oh, that was really... She doesn't seem angry. She just seems like, can we please not do this right now? Yeah. (laughs) To quote uh, Psych, I can't do this with you right now. Yeah, it's very much that. But all of them were... I mean, I don't think I... I didn't pick up on... Well, we can talk about this later, but I didn't pick up on any clues because I was just like, oh, God, this is all so mean and terrible. Yeah, he tells Chidi that he died alone because he couldn't commit to anyone. He tells Tahani that, you know she couldn't get her parents to love her or whatever. Like, and you know, of course just calls Jason stupid, which is, you know, I've done the same thing. I don't <laughs> Yeah. We did that for an hour last week. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it's this really cutting roast. And then they uh, transition into um, the party where uh, bad Janet is the DJ and she alternates between playing puddle of mud. She hates me. And grandma got run over by a reindeer. Which, I have to admit, are two excruciatingly terrible songs. Yes. <laughs> Not job. a bad choice, yeah. And meanwhile, and the, and the Bad Place employees are just trashing the place. They're graffitiing, they're burning things, um, they're ripping cats in half. That's, that's what Michael says at one point. Yeah, rip a cat in half, it's a party. 
Yeah. So we see Michael whisper something to Janet, but we don't hear what it is. And and Vicky has seen Michael whispering in Janet's ear at least twice now. And she gets suspicious enough that she goes over and tries to take Janet's bracelets off, but she the, the magnetic bracelets off. Magnetic handcuffs, I should say. Uh, but she can't manage it by herself. But she gets spotted by another Bad Place employee. Um, Gail. And then we kind of, Gail, yeah. And then we kind of fast forward to the end of the party. And Vicky comes up and is about to tell Sean that she's actually in charge when they see a train pulling away. And Michael interrupts Vicky to say, like, the humans are getting away. And they sort of run over to the train station. And uh, Sean calls another train for all the Bad Place employees. I suppose that that's how... I, you know, come to think of it, that's how um, Adam Scott's character got there in season one. Where like, is he? I Where don't, is I'm Ad- so sorry. Where's my boyfriend? <laughs> he's like on an... I, I, I think the real answer to that, right, is he's on another TV show right now. And he cannot be acquired for a guest spot. Right? Doesn't he have a lead role in a TV show right now? Does he? I thought he did. Oh, oh, ghosted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Adam Scott... You know you want to be my demon boyfriend again. Any hooters. Yes. Um, yeah, so that so so we see Sean call a train to take the Bad Place employees, I suppose, back to the Bad Place HQ or whatever. So Sean is sort of trying to figure out how how this how the humans escaped. How did they get how did they get the handcuffs off of Janet? Mm-hmm. And at, at some point, Gail comes up with Vicky and says, you know, I accuse Vicky. She was trying to get the handcuffs off. And Vicky says, you know, I tried to get them off, but I couldn't. Michael says, you sound crazy. And Sean says, normally I would, I'd love nothing more than hearing a man tell a woman that she's crazy, but I I can't. I just, I love how the writing is just hammering in the fact that like misogyny is the province of demons. (laughs) (laughs) I think, I think that needs to be, like the title of a book that comes out about 2017. <laughs> oh, yeah. Tell me about it. Um, and Sean, you know, and, and Michael says, how are we going to get the humans back from the medium place? And Sean says, oh, I'll start drafting the extradition papers. But meanwhile, you stay here and like break things down. As the train pulls out, we see that the cockroaches plus Janet are lying between the tracks. Ugh. Yeah. <laughs> And, you know, Cheaty is the one to kind of be like, oh, that was so scary. I never want to do that again. And Michael sees them there. And there is that little sort of cinematographical recall of the sort of like zoom into his face that we saw at the end of season one. And the musical cue. And the musical cue. But this time he's like, you guys, I was so worried about you. I love that so much. You're know, my friends, I and I wanted to save you. He was actually so concerned about them. <laughs> yeah. So then they come up from the tracks. It's just the six of them now. There's nobody else in the neighborhood. And Eleanor goes through how she figured out that he had been dropping hints for them. She says, I found your four hints. And he's like, I left 1,200 hints for your puny human brains. But in essence, each of the roasts contained a piece of information he made a reference to Derek in Jason's roast Derek Bortles yes in Eleanor's roast he said you know don't go to the medium place in Tahani's roast he said wait for the last song you know this is all a little bit obfuscated but this is what he meant and in Chidi's roast he said lie under the train and the the reason that they had to lie under the train was because Sean asks bad Janet to 
scan the neighborhood for the humans and she doesn't find them because the train tracks are sort of the border of the neighborhood. It I was going seem... to ask about that. So this is what, from watching it twice, this is what I've sort of decided is the answer, you know, arbitrarily, but whatever. That the neighborhood is bounded on one side by the train tracks, and I think it's probably bounded on the other side by the ocean. Mm. You know, as we've seen, you know, there's this beach in the ocean. And so she is standing with her back to the train, and she's essentially scanning the entire neighborhood minus literally the borderline that is immediately to her back. And that's where, of course, where they are lying under the train. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's it's sort of like if, if you're if you're standing with your back up against a fence and you're looking in this big fenced-in pasture for a cat, and it turns out the cat is actually perched behind you on the fence post. Mm-hmm. You know, that... It's sort of the the one place that you couldn't look with your back up against the fence. Yeah, that makes sense. So we sort of flash back to how they figured this all out. And the funniest part is that, you know, Janet has to go get Derek. And Derek... Zooks! I'm so happy he's back! <laughs> Derek seems to be still kind of waking up from power save mode because most of the words he says are Derek. But he says them in (laughs) different inflections. Different inflections that like make you understand that he is like contributing to the conversation. Yeah, like smurf, smurf, smurf or whatever. Yeah, he's like Derek? He's he's like Derek? Derek? And then he's like, yeah, Derek. Derek. Yeah. And then she says, you know, you have to drive the train alone. And he's like maximum Derek. That's which is pretty great. I lo- I want a gif of that immediately. And then Michael has to admit that he framed Vicky. That was that he felt that was the only way for him to you know pull this whole thing off. And Tani says, you know, let's appreciate that we might actually have a chance of getting into the real good place. And Eleanor says, I just hope Mindy likes the present we sent her. Then we flash to Derek showing up at Mindy Sinclair's front door with a sign posted on his chest and holding a duffel bag. Uh, and Mindy takes the sign and, and it says, you know, my name is Derek and I'm a sex robot and uh, I am carrying two duffel bags of cocaine. Thank you. know, it's this a, is it's a thank, thank you. you know, for all yeah. The, yeah, it says thank you for all the times that you helped us when we showed up at your house. <laughs> and he says, my ding dong is a wind chime. And she says, I can work with that. <laughs> and that's the, and I thought that was hilarious. And I love that. I love that. All right. Let me tell you the Easter eggs that I found. OK, first of all. As they're doing the last scene before the stinger, um, and they are sitting in the train station. So the, the their neighborhood has been totally destroyed by the bad place, by the demons. There is a hashtag on the wall behind I was Eleanor. To read that. Yeah, no, I got it. It took me it took me and my husband, both of us are arguably professional puzzle solvers. <laughs> it says M T G P B A which stands for make the good place bad again. Ah. It's, a, it's a MAGA joke, which is very appropriate. Wow. The other thing that I was looking at was the seal on Michael's podium as he is giving the roast. And it says, and I'm going to, you'll nerds, you'll have to forgive. Oh, sorry. Let me put this another way. Catholic nerds will have to forgive me. Other kinds of nerds will be happy with me because I'm going to pronounce this in the classical sense. I took classical Latin for six years. I've never taken the... I don't know how the Catholics say things, but this is how you would say it in Latin class. 
Erisiones infidelium conviwia eos formido, which translates to just a moment. I had to I had to Google translate this because it's it's been it's been a minute since you took high school. It's been Latin. over yeah, it's been over fifteen years since I took high school Latin. So so Google Translate has it as ridicule of unbelievers banquets are terrible. So roasts it's a. It's yes. the roast. That's funny. It, it's it's a it's a and I'm not sure if if Google Translate kind of has it exactly it has the sense exactly right. It might be something more like party for the ridicule of the unbelievers. The unbelievers are terrible, but whatever. <laughs> it is it is a statement about the roast, which is pretty funny. So those are my Easter eggs that I found. I I did not go deep diving on trying to like read all the graffiti. But those were the ones that I was like, I gotta figure out what those are referring to. And listeners, if you did, if you found another Easter egg or read another piece of graffiti and want to share that, email us or tweet at us. Or just, you know, Joel can just turn around at work and say, hey, I found this. (laughs) Yes. So uh, what uh, what was your feel about the episode? I really liked it. I never really believed that Michael would have turned because at the beginning of the episode when he said this is all I've ever wanted I could just sort of hear and this is a just a testament to Ted Danson I could just sort of hear that it was hollow in his voice and so I never actually believed that he turned on them but at the same time I did believe that they I I didn't catch that he was leaving clues I thought maybe the ruse was gonna have to go on for a while and I, I did think that the quartet was in some actual peril of being tortured, right? So I didn't know. I, I What I loved was when they start figuring out that every roast joke was really a clue for them and stuff. Because I was just like, wow, this seems really mean, like over the top mean. But I just thought he was putting on a show for Sean's benefit. But then to see that it has... I mean, some- not all of them were clues. You love cheating, he doesn't love you back. That is not a clue. That is not a clue. That is just a statement, which is really (laughs) rough. But So some of it was for Sean's benefit, but to see that that segment, which was very difficult, did have some narrative twists in it, I I really loved. And especially because this show is sort of the the fabric of it is made of twists. It, It was nice to see that kind of coming back. And I loved, I loved Drunk Janet. I thought Drunk Janet oh, was, she hilarious. was hilarious. Darcy Carden, have an Emmy, please. Killing it. She is killing it. <laughs> I am the Emmy committee, and I'm here with your <laughs> Emmy. Uh, yeah, she killed it. And I thought, I loved Ted Danson when he breaks out. He's like, you guys. I, I just. Oh, I was like clutching my heart. I was it, just like, it so. It was so sweet. And, and that just shows. You know, that we're past the point where, you know, he's going to flip-flop for his own benefit. Like, he's he is past that point as a character. He, he actually cares about them. And then also I thought it was really nice to see Eleanor believing in someone. Yes, that was such a... That was such a major character development for her. Yeah. Because, of course, in the past, she has been the most cynical of them and the least willing to believe in the the ability of anyone to sort of change and she was the one who took the leap into faith in this episode and it was such a lovely note for her character i agree and especially because 
in a previous episode in this season, Chidi says to her, how long do you have to know someone to do the right thing? And she says, nine weeks minimum, right? So how she... long have they been in this iteration? We kind of have more of a timeline this time around, but I, I'm flaking on exactly how long it's been. I don't know. I mean, that's a good question. I, I, I don't know if we're supposed to look at it chronologically, like a week of Well, sh- sometimes show we would get is... little um, chirons telling us how long it had yeah. been. Yeah, I don't know. It's been at least three months, though, right? I think we can say. I think that's safe to say. The only storyline that I was less than thrilled about was Vicky's. I Mm. think she... I think she continually... Every time I bring her up, I feel like I'm saying I want more of her sort of integral to the storyline. She kind of gets... She gets a couple moments here and there. Like, I liked her line of, you know, Mama wants a promotion. I liked that. I did too, but I thought that she, yeah, she gives up a little too easily when Michael says, like, hey, if I tell him that you've been in charge and he's going to figure out about the reboot, and she's like, oh, yeah. And I was like, come on, Vicky, you're smarter than that. Well, and what? and Vicky's the kind of person who at least... The kind you, of demon, excuse you. Kind of demon, excuse me, indeed. Who, you know, probably in that case would have tried to double cross him or, yeah, I, I don't necessarily believe that she would have gone along with him, uh, especially if she's looking out for herself and her own her own sort of professional self-interest. And then at the end, you know, for, for her to be like, well, I think that Michael is lying and the people, you know, the humans might be still here and, you know, all this. And, and then Michael, for Michael to just say like, oh, you're acting crazy. It was really her that, you know, it... I hope she comes back because it it seems like that's what they're setting up for. That yeah, she got short shrift in this episode for I sure. I think I think so, and I think that's been a you because know, why it, would she not just say in that moment like, I have evidence that he's been fabricating this whole experiment. Yeah, that's that's kind of my thing. Was like the stakes. I almost feel like the stakes were high enough at that point where they think the humans have escaped that. She could have said, like, this isn't the first screw-up, right? We've had 802 or whatever different iterations of this, and I've documented it all, and look at my loyalty to you and Michael. You know, but I wonder if that's going to be, if they're setting that up for the final arc of them trying to escape, and, you know, if Vicky is... Right, if Vicky has secretly... Well, she can't have hid. I mean, Janet would know she was there, I think. Yeah, but I just mean if if she feels like she needs to avenge her reputation and comes back and tries to throw a monkey wrench into things, maybe. Because mm-hmm. I just feel like this whole season has... Vicky shows up to be a little bit of a thorn in Michael's side, but is a lot... Is is very easily is brushed dispensed off. dispensed of, yeah. yeah. It's dispensed of too easily. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's the only thing that I would nitpick, but everything else I really liked. Yes, I totally agree. That my feelings exactly. I loved the the Ted Danson emotional breakdown at the end. Yes, I love that they're like such good pals now. I love drunk Janet. I love you know what's the name of the actor who is Sean Mark Evan Jackson. His deadpan game is very much on point. Yes, indeed. And his whole, like, monologue at the beginning is just hilarious. I am glad. I mean, but, you know, this show, as always, is burning through plot at a rate that is pretty incredible. 
Yeah. We've dispensed of the demons. We are now alone in an abandoned, burned down, (laughs) bad place, good place neighborhood. And all that they can do now is to try to get somewhere else ahead of uh, Sean and his gang coming back. But that sort of segues into what I had sort of meant to ask you about. We are finally given... Remember a couple episodes ago we were complaining that we needed a bad place org chart? Yes. (laughs) Just like a real quick org chart. We are at least given a hint, sort of. Uh, Sean has been promoted to the High Council. And Michael has been promoted. I don't think they give him a title. I think they they just say he's been promoted to be sort of the head of this whole fake good place project. Yeah, thing. like the expansion. So as we said before, we always we said from the get go that we did not think that Sean was actually like somebody important. We always said this guy's middle management. You know, he comes in in the first season as the supreme high judge of all things good and evil or whatever, and we always said that's a put on. He's middle management, and we have no idea who he reports to. But now we have this hint of who he was reporting to and is now going to be a member of is the High Council. That sounds like maybe the C-suite to me. <laughs> That's God or the Pantheon? Well, it's not God, isn't it? Like, <laughs> so yeah. I don't think it's God. This this does not seem to be a like a plain Jane theistic universe. Yeah. Yeah, that that's true. So maybe he was middle manage, or you know, maybe not middle management, but like a deputy director. <laughs> and now he's going to no, be. No, I think he was middle management. I mean, middle. The definition of middle management just means that you're not at the top and you're not at the bottom, right? Mm-hmm. You're managing a manager, but you're also being managed by a manager. And I think that that you know he was managing Michael, but he mm-hmm. was being managed by this high council. But now he's actually being catapulted onto the High Council, so that's interesting. Are we going to see like a like a dark conference room full of dudes in suits, you know, and maybe they've got crowns on or something? Like how 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 charmed is this show going to get? And, and how literal? Yeah, is it going to be like one of our other favorite shows, Clone High, that has the board of they, shadowy figures? Board of shadowy figures. Yeah, that show's great. Yeah, I don't know. And I would like to... I I guess I am also trying to figure out... It sounds like there is, in the bad place, there is some sort of a justice system. Which doesn't make any sense to me, because he says, I'll start drafting the extradition papers. Oh, that's right. Yeah, what is that? Well, I mean, I guess... I, I take that back, because when we see the when we see the videotape that's left for Mindy... Where there's one good place and one bad place employee, yeah, you know, sort of talking about like, you know, this is how the environment is going to be in this medium place. Yeah, it does have sort of the tenor of a of a of a legal agreement to it, doesn't it? It does kind of, but that leads me to believe if they have a system by which they can extradite people, that this kind of thing has happened before. Um, no, because Mindy says that they're the first people that she's seen. But maybe not necessarily between the medium place and the bad place, but maybe the bad place and the good place. Oh, maybe. Uh Uh-oh. Because, I mean, that's just, I mean, I'm completely, this is all conjecture, of course, but when he said, oh, I'll start drafting the extradition papers, it didn't, if nothing like this had ever happened before, first of all, you wouldn't have a system for it in place. And second of all, he didn't sound panicked at all. 
you know? So I wonder if there's... Yeah, it was very much humdrum, like, oh, just another day at the office. Right, like, oh, people are trying to escape the bad place, like they always do. Like, that was sort of the tenor of it, which made Mm. me feel like, in addition to this org chart, you also got a little bit of a sense of how the sort of bureaucracy... It's like paperwork. It's like paperwork to get somebody... And who enforces that? And I wonder if that's maybe part of the High Council is, like, enforcing who stays and who goes and that kind of thing, which maybe if, if that's the case, then maybe we will see them because I think that is supposed to be the, the thread for the, the final few episodes of the season. It, it just brings up for me again, this whole notion that the good place can't possibly be that good because I would think the greatest moral good possible, if you worked in the good place or you had some power there, the greatest possible moral good would be to rescue whomever you could from the bad place. Even if that person was uh, objectively a terrible person, it's hard to believe that any crime on earth deserves eternal torture. So, you know, if that's your, that's my axiom. My axiom would be that there's really no deed on earth that earns you eternal torture. That if that's your axiom, then if you work in the good place, then your whole deal should be whoever can manage to escape the bad place, we're going to keep them. You know, maybe there's some system larger than them that filters people into the good place versus the bad place, and there's nothing they can do about that. But if someone manages to make it to the good place, then we're going to keep them, dang it. But if there's extradition papers, then... Uh, that's not the case, right? The good place will just go along with, you know, if the bad place has a case, this person didn't make it to the top, blah, 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 percent, and and they belong here, and the good place is like, oh, everything seems in order here. Stamp, stamp. All right, let's send this person off. I mean, unless there, it is like a kind of a justice system thing and you have people arguing for them to stay, but in that case, I find that a little hard to believe because it's not as if any of these people have character witnesses in the good place or, you know, any, they're fugitives, essentially. Yeah, there are, they are fugitives. And, you know, the, the purely logical argument would be like, why is this random? Like, you know, if, if Jason is ranked in the grand scale of all humanity, he's probably in the bottom 50%, right? Wouldn't you say? Probably. <laughs> so tough on Jason. Yeah. Oh, come on. Uh, I mean, you have to count let's be real here and I hate to do this but like you have to count like all the children who die right like he's in the bottom 50% because there's a lot of people ahead of him okay um so then so then the question becomes like this random guy managed to get to the good place but you know he's in like the 40th percentile also he didn't get there on his own well that aside like why should he be admitted in when this person who barely got edged out of the good place by the fact that they put their gum under a theater seat one time, <laughs> you know, and who's currently being flayed by a flaming cat of nine tails. Like, why should Jason get in when that person doesn't get in? You know, there is a strict ranking system. And if you're going to let more people into the good place, it would be like the next pe- person on the list. Not this random dude from Florida who manages to claw his way up there because he's friends with a demon. Yeah, I mean, I think that goes back to all of the conversations that we have had about the ranking system and just how truly flawed it is. So it does make me wonder, 
it does make me wonder about the good place and how good it could be. And also how, you know, there's a part of me that thinks part of Michael's willingness to bend the rules and hoodwink Sean and frame Vicky and all these kinds of things, he is used to uh, dubious (laughs) behavior. He's a demon, you know, he's a demon. Whereas if you're in the good place and you have these people who got into the good place by following the rules and you have, maybe you have a high council of the good place who made the rules to begin with, made the the system to begin with. Um, you know, I don't think they're going to look kindly on people who break the rules in order to get into the good place. Yeah, it seems like they're doomed, but they can't really be doomed because this is a comedy. Yeah. <laughs> So I don't know how that uh, unless, I don't know how that all shakes out unless they unless. somehow are able to stay in this neighborhood that they've you know that the demons have trashed and they can. Sean's just sort of... not going to let Michael just hang out there forever. If nothing else, Michael supposedly has a new job to do. Yeah, I don't know. And and as we know from the deleted scene. Uh, that we talked about in a couple oh, episodes ago. Yeah, if you guys haven't listened to that episode, please do, because there is some next-level Michael character development in this one deleted scene that we that we play. And so we know that if he goes to this job, that is his full life. Existence. Yeah. His full existence forever. That it's not like he gets to... Because, you know, there's a part of me that thinks about, you know, at the end of uh, Shaun of the Dead... Where like I hate that movie. Oh, I'm sorry, but he goes in the he goes in the shed and he and he plays video games with his like zombie friend, you know. Yes. Oh, that's right. You don't like zombies. No, I don't. I apologize, but there's a sense of like, okay, you can have this part of your life, and then you you can have this other part of your life, and they're separate, but you get to have both of them, right? If he takes this promotion, then. And goes, yeah, that's, that's that, the ball game. Then yeah. that's the ball game for him ever having time with the humans. His friend, his old, his literal his only, only friends friend. in all of time and space. I mean, unless, unless he takes a job, I'm again, complete conjecture here, but unless he takes, you know, if his job is to expand the idea of a neighborhood, it's possible that he could create a neighborhood for them to live in and sneak off to it because you know to yeah, hide I mean, them the, in there is the complication of sean saying that he wants to study the humans brains yeah like i don't know how they get around that yeah i mean i i, I certainly don't know if if this show has taught me anything it's that i should never uh never try to predict because all of my predictions happened within the first two episodes <laughs> i know you know what would actually be super satisfying is if somehow Michael ended up making all of these like good place, bad place neighborhoods and, and admitting huge numbers of people and just being like, here's the deal. You got to pretend like you're being tortured, but really I'm just going to let you be. Okay. I'm going to write fake reports about how you're in a lot of emotional anguish, but just like live your life. And if anybody asks you, you are feeling emotional anguish 24-7, okay? Like, it's just, it's, it's, that's our secret, okay? If you can't follow those rules, then I have to send you to, like, the flame pits and the, and the scorpion underwear. 
as the mentioned Scorp- in this episode. <laughs> Sorry, Scorpion diapers. No, I just, I'm not trying to correct you. I'm just laughing. <laughs> um, but if you can, like, be cool and keep this secret, then you can stay here and just basically, like, hang out. And I think pretty much everyone would take that deal. I certainly um, would. And then Michael becomes, like, the shadow, like, resistance leader <laughs> of, like, this, you know, huge group of humanity who is, like, pretending to be tortured, but are actually just kind of living, like, not a, not, not in utopia, but not in dystopia, just sort of living the way they would on Earth, except just that a, they're... Just utopia? Yeah, just utopia. <laughs> just, they are... They're invulnerable to harm, and they're in a post-scarcity situation. But other than that, it's kind of like life on Earth. <laughs> I'd and be, then, like, I'd that's be it. That. That's it. You know? I would take that. I would. I, sir, if, if the other option was a scorpion diaper, I would <laughs> 100% take. Just, you know, just... If Sean never comes by, just, like moan a lot yeah. <laughs> just like oh <laughs> i could do that that was very convincing just now or just you know exactly or just you know honestly all you would really have to do to put me in any emotional anguish is just like put like a cute guy in front of me who barely acknowledges me and i'll be <laughs> yeah i mean this is if if the bad place really wants to take this emotional torture concept somewhere and they somehow managed to never cotton on to the fact that Michael is actually a big softy now, then, <laughs> then our whole like hell is other people. Hell is just like earth concept actually could be realized. Yeah. I mean, I think that might be cause I, I was thinking about that. That was our first episode was talking about hell is other people. And I think Sartre. <laughs> yes. I always forget, but I do think that that's a, that would be a nice nod to that kind of thing because I do think that that is generally the the ethos of the show is that you know all the hijinks and all of the the different situations that people find themselves in naturally like you know Tahani's a good example of this right where Sean you mentioned this before but Sean says oh, you got, I can't believe that you have Tahani in a relationship with Jason. That must be torture for her. Like, that's great. And and you said before, like, well, not really, but it does give her other things that she's clearly worried about. Like, you know, before they get called into Michael's office, she says to him, we should really talk about yesterday. And it's expositional because it's reminding people what happened the last episode. So he goes through this whole thing about how they almost got married and didn't. But then has a joke about how he's a really cool cloud. Um, but clearly there is some emotional anguish in it for her, but it's not the way Sean thinks it is. And it's the same thing with the first iteration. You know, the first season was Michael finding all these really ingenious ways for all these people to torture each other. But it's just like life on Earth. You know, sometimes you, yeah. like, some, sometimes you like people who don't like you. Sometimes you like a guy and then you meet his ex-girlfriend uh or his ex-wife uh sometimes you have a you know sticky relationship with your family and and that affects your other relationships so i do think that is sort of the overall ethos of the show how that gets translated if they're gonna do a season which they are gonna do a season three they got renewed for it uh, how that gets translated once you get there, I'm not sure, but I'm really interested to find out. Yeah, I like the idea of Michael just being put in charge of all the entire human afterlife yeah. <laughs> from here on out. 
And he's just like, these are my friends. I don't know. Like, just get along or something. (laughs) I also wonder, both sides had to... This is sort of a bigger question. But both sides, it seems, had to agree to this ranking system. Yeah, I was thinking about that. So, this high council that Sean is on... Do you think that straddles the good place and the bad place? Do you think <gasps> Oh, do you, interesting. Do you think there are good place and bad place representatives because these things have to be like a rating system like this, the agreement has to be mutual. And so I would imagine that you have, you know, bilateral meetings and you send a representative from one side and a representative from another side and potentially a mediator who I don't know who that would be but Mindy. that's Mindy <laughs> when she's done having sex with Derek that's sort of what I was pondering because if we are going to get closer to the actual good place and we've had these conversations about what the good place is actually like you know the fact that there's a high council to me if those are the real decision makers and we're not living in a theistic universe, but there is a real good place, it would make sense. It would be logical to me that the high council would be made up of equal numbers, equal yeah. numbers, like a board, basically a board of directors of the afterlife. Yeah, that's fascinating. I mean, it is way more interesting now that you've mentioned it. And it, I don't think this has ever occurred to me, but it's way more interesting if Ultimately, the org chart of the bad place is that it's just one department of, like, Afterlife Incorporated. (laughs) I'm into that. Right? That there is an Afterlife board of directors, and this is what this council is that Sean mentioned. But then you just have two... You just have two departments underneath the, uh, you know, just two, two branches off of your little top node... One that's good place, one that's bad place, and they're really run by the same people, run by the same, you know, creatures, whatever you want to call them. That there isn't really so much a separation between the two. That's a much more interesting scenario, come to think of it. Yeah, and I think it would be an interesting commentary (laughs) on on the belief structure that we have oftentimes. Maybe we'll get, like, a Doug Forsett uh, recorded speech that will explain it all to us. I want I wanted Doug Forsett to show up. Maybe he still <laughs> will, because that was one of their ideas earlier on in the season. But yeah, I, I, I think that's an interesting... It just occurred to me as I was... As we were talking about it, that maybe if this is a bureaucracy, because if they have extradition papers and there are promotions and it... it and, you know... Michael works in an office where they have coffee machines and this, that, you know, it just seems like it's all very, not humdrum, but like pretty ordinary in terms of things that we can grasp. Then if, if hell is other people, then wouldn't heaven and hell sort of be a bureaucracy? And wouldn't it be interesting if at the top, it's not so much a moral choice as it is like a numbers game for them. Like, you know? Yeah. Run like a company. Which would also explain good Janet and bad Janet. You Say know, more that, about that. Well, she's identical. And there's no real reason for her to be identical. And there's no real reason for her 
to be she's sort of functionally identical it's just that one has an attitude of wanting to help and the other has an attitude of wanting to burn fart your face to the ground yeah <laughs> for, literally fart in your face yeah <laughs> You know, which I think there's some children in my house who would agree with her. Um, <laughs> but there's there's no real reason for that to be the case, right? I mean, like, why would you... Like, so what purpose is a... <laughs> Tahani actually says this at one point. She says, yes. what even, she says, what even is the purpose of a Janet... That behaves know, in act? such a manner. Yeah. Thank you. And that's a legitimate question. <laughs> like, what purpose does Janet actually serve in a real bad place neighborhood? Is she there to help the demons, the torturers? Um, and why is she pretty much identical to her other twin? Like, I get narratively and visually that it's like a funny joke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think if you're talking with, like, pure logic goggles on, she's just a single piece of software that has, like, a toggle for good versus bad. Or, you know, has a has a conditional written into her software that's like, if good, execute this path. If bad, execute that path. Yeah. And, like, why would that be? Well, it's because, you know... The same person made her. The same, right, the same bureaucracy created her and just has these two possible execution paths. It's more uh, cost-efficient if they do it that way. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you really are looking at this at like a, as, like, a corporate sort of point of view, then... Uh, yeah, and this all these efficiencies. They're getting all these efficiencies by just creating one Janet, and even though it doesn't really make much sense, and just sort of, you know, putting some pound defines at the top. There's some, there's a little nice uh, shibboleth for my C programmers out there. Yes, just putting uh, you know, just putting a pound define at the top of uh, you know, good or evil, basically. Yeah, I think that's a great, that's a great point, and that would be so interesting if that were the case. So I don't have much for mailbag here. Okay. Except that Ian did tweet at us to say that uh, Jason must have died before the Jacksonville Jaguars defense got really good. (laughs) (laughs) Unfortunately, because at one point, you know, Michael in the roast is is roasting the the Jackson, Jason's beloved Jacksonville Jaguars. (laughs) And Jason says, all we need is a defense and an offense and rule changes. Rule changes. (laughs) And, uh... Ian says that uh, Jason must have died before the Jaguars defense got really good. And I think that's actually true. Like, I, I, I have heard that they are doing better, but, like, that's the extent of my knowledge of football. I've heard they're doing better. Oh, I don't know. Nobody's doing as badly as the Cleveland Browns, who are going to be completely winless for the season. I don't know the first thing about professional football. Do you know the first thing about uh, college football? No, somebody at my office today was like oh you know your alma mater is playing tomorrow and i was like totally i didn't know (laughs) Uh, which is which you should say you should is syracuse yes yes i went to syracuse so she's uh this my coworker is is from upstate new york not too far from syracuse so she's like you know asking me about my weekend plans and i asked her and she said well you know cuse is playing tomorrow and i was like oh yes yes." i did know that (laughs) i did not i 100 percent did not I went to a Division three school that did not have a football team. <laughs> you, yes, <laughs> you had a different uh, athletics culture, certainly than Very Syracuse. Uh, go Orange! But I did wonder, sort of, how I wonder how Blake Bortles. I don't know this guy. I don't. I wouldn't <laughs> know him. I couldn't pick him out of a lineup. But I do kind of wonder. He's the how, big hulking one. Yeah, you know. <laughs> Depends what the lineup is. I do kind of wonder um, how Blake Bortles 
feels about being like name checked on this show so much. Do you think there's any crossover between NFL fans and the Good Place fans? Well, you know that the good the official Good Place Twitter account only follows Blake Bortles and the Jaguars. Yes, I did know that. So I I hope that Blake Bortles has had like sufficient warning that he is. <laughs> Like, a major point of interest on this television show. Do you think we'll get a guest spot or something in a flashback? He would have anything? to die. No, no I mean, in, in a, a flashback, flashback, you could. Oh, maybe he, maybe he and Tahani hooked up. That would be interesting. Ooh. <laughs> that would certainly add a wrinkle for Jason. Yeah. Poor Jason. Aw. Did you want to do anything in the sort of article roundup? Yeah, so um, there were just a couple things I found. Um, you know, I was looking at some recaps, but I, I think... You know, more so than the recaps, I have a little bit in uh, spoiler space. But before I get to that, I will say um, we there are a couple articles, you know, because the show is coming back. They have interviewed some of the cast members in different publications. Uh, William Jackson Harper was interviewed in GQ and um, Darcy Carden talked to Collider. And they both had like really wonderful things to say about Ted Danson. So I thought we could do a little Ted Danson appreciation corner because we love him for his acting, but (laughs) it's always so nice to hear that actors are who you want them to be in real life. It's so rare. It is very rare. So Darcy Carden said, and I'll, I'll try to keep this short, but he, uh, you know, the person at Collider asked her, you know, how is it like, how is it working with Ted Danson? And she said, he is a wonderful human being and he is just such a special, awesome actor. The thing that always blows me away about Ted is that he's an actor who's been doing this for decades, but he comes to, into work giddy and excited to be acting, which is amazing Aww. because, you know to our we've talked about this before but you know he's been on cheers he's done all these you know he's had a really varied career over the decades and it's really wonderful that he's in his 60s or 70s now and he's still really excited to be doing this and then william jackson harper is is much shorter but he uh somebody asked him what's it like working with ted danson and he said he's the sweetest man in america he is the best, dude. He is just the best. And I So you I, should you should uh, listener go find the GQ profile of William Jackson Harper. We can tweet it out, maybe. Yeah, I I must say that the interview is uh really funny and good, but um they did a photo shoot with him and he's still adorable, but um he doesn't look like like a professor anymore. He doesn't look like a nerd anymore. He looks like a sort of like a hip guy and I'm like, yeah, it's no, no, GQ. No. Yeah, well, I know, but I'm like, that's not my boyfriend. That's not my husband. That's Wear not my the sweater husband. vest. Where, where is the Where's the chinos and the and the glasses <laughs> and the loafers and the it's, tweed yeah. jackets with the? Oh yeah, I mean, you know, as far as I'm concerned, the nerdier the better. I mean, this <laughs> this guy is you know wearing designer clothing, and I'm like, that's what have you done with my husband? <laughs> okay, before we before we get going, mm-hmm. can we do a little bit of spoiler space? So this yes. is this is some. Um, This is like medium level spoiler space stuff. This is uh, titles and synopses of future episodes. So if you want to turn off the podcast now, bye. See you next week. But um, we have uh, the next three episodes, titles and synopses. So I'm just going to go through these quick. Next episode is called Best Self. The synopsis is Michael gets into a bind. Eleanor has an idea that leads Chidi, Tahani, Jason, and even Janet to put their feelings on the line. Episode oh, ap- Yes. <laughs> Episode after that is called Rhonda, Diana, Jake, and Trent. 
Hmm. And the synopsis, I know. And the synopsis is Eleanor, Chidi, Tahani, Janet, and Jason go to a place with potentially lasting implications. You gonna do me like that, synopsis? And the final uh, one that we have a synopsis, it's not the finale for the season, but this is the final one that we have a title and synopsis for. The Burrito. Synopsis. Eleanor, Chidi, Tahani, and Jason consider how much they have or haven't improved. Michael must deal with the consequences of his recent actions. So, Yo. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I don't know what to make of any of this. I I... almost wish I didn't know that now. I should have turned off the podcast before you started talking. (laughs) I am most intrigued by this Rhonda, Diana, Jake, and Trent because it sounds like a quartet. Alter egos. Yes, exactly. It sounds like a a quartet of uh, good place people have like escaped from the good place and they're going to like meet up in like some sort of nether region or Uh, something. Or I, I thought of it as disguises like alternate identities for our four main characters but i love that too that there is like maybe a quartet of people in the good place that they run into that are like their good doppelgangers, doppelgangers yes oh i love that that's i would like love a, that that's yeah there's such a there's a trope of that right for those who read the uh the web comic the order of the stick there's a like a there's an evil version of their uh, of their group called the Linear Guild, it, like the the idea of like there being sort of like a sort of a mirror of your group that's not one hundred percent identical, but it, there's a clear mapping of one, like a clear one to one mapping of people. Yeah, uh, How I Met Your Mother did that too, where each of the main characters has a doppelganger that they see in one episode. So yeah, and then the next episode is the. It seems to be the season closer in February, which I don't even understand how that's possible. And that also means that uh, we have, like, six months of content that we have to fill in. <laughs> Woo! The Last so I, Jedi. <laughs> episode no, so I, two, I, three, I, four. <laughs> I had a thought that I was I was curious to uh, hear your take on. Oh, which yeah, was this that... is the thing that you said you were going to tell me, and then you were like, oh, I'll wait till we're on air. What if we took some of the books that Chidi made them read, and we did kind of a book club about them? Oh, man, you're going to give me homework? <laughs> well, it's, right it's homework that doesn't involve sitting slack jawed in front of the boob tube yes i have to admit that yeah but we wouldn't do an entire book in one week because it would be way too much but like you know he had that like on death book or whatever we could do one chapter of that a week yeah Read we could do that with us we could do that i don't know that that would get us many what's the word i'm looking for listeners i was gonna say <laughs> it's, it's like an intro to philosophy class yeah so you know that was just a thought um we can certainly just watch other media to fill because we you know there's no way that we can fill six months with um just talking about the good place so you know if if listeners have ideas bro we'd love to hear them uh we can do things like watch other media that the protagonists have been in. You know, like if there's a Kristen Bell movie that you'd like to take it, we could watch Frozen. <laughs> <laughs> Seen that a hundred times. Yeah, I'm into that. Yeah, or we could watch other Michael Schur shows. And I have to tell you that I, I tried Parks and Rec, and here's the sad truth that I don't think I ever wanted to admit to myself. A little Amy Poehler goes a long way for me. Mm. 
And this show is too much Amy Poehler. The and first I, season is tough. The fir- I skipped. I skipped the first season. Everyone says don't bother with the first season. Okay. I went straight to the second season. I picked an episode about gay penguins at the zoo, and I was just like, "This is too much Amy Poehler. I just mm. can't." I loved her in Inside Out. I loved her voice in Inside Out. Yeah, she's great. Um, but I haven't ever really watched anything where she was the protagonist, except the movie Baby Mama, which I very much disliked. <laughs> I can give you a couple episodes that are better than the gay penguin episode. Maybe that also include my boyfriend, Ben Wyatt, which is... Sure. But yeah. like, I also am not a big... So I think Aziz Ansari is a very insightful and funny person. And I think his stand-up is interesting. I don't I don't really care for his stand-up very much, but I think it's interesting. Um, I loved the book that he wrote, Modern Romance. Yes. Um, but I don't think he's a very good actor. Mm. Uh, and he kind of grates on me as well. So when you're talking about like two of the principal cast, I also am not a huge Aubrey Plaza fan. So like at some point it's like, why am I watching this? You know, I, I tried that one. I tried one other episode and I was just like, yeah, this, I don't think this is for me. So, um, I am, I know you're bereft. I, I know. am. <laughs> I'm speechless. I don't know what to do. Ron Swanson. Yeah. He's hilarious, but like, he's a, he's a minor character. So, mm. okay. He's, he's a secondary character. Sure. Yes. So like, that's not a reason to watch a television show. I can just give you the best of compilations that I found on YouTube that I watched to make <laughs> myself feel better when I'm having we'll a bad an day. entire episode just about the best of comp. I mean, like, <laughs> I don't know what we're going to do. We're going to have to pull something out of a hat because six months is a long time to talk about nothing. Yeah. And I don't want to like, I don't want to. I don't want to stop doing the podcast for six months because I'm afraid that that's going to make it really difficult for us to get back into the groove when season three comes back. And I feel like, you know, if if we have any listeners who've gotten into a groove with us, you know, I don't want them to kind of get dropped for half a year. No, so that makes sense. Well, if, if, you, you, if you have any ideas of what you'd like us to talk about, uh, let us know. I will say that the original idea for us having a podcast together was to talk about Hallmark movies. That's very far afield. It is very far afield, this. but it might be fun occasionally. Or... Yeah, I'll, I'll say maybe, maybe, yeah, maybe we'll set up a rota. You know, the first week of the month we talk about Hallmark movies. The second <laughs> week of the month we talk about an old Ted Danson project. We could just watch Cheers. I think it's on Netflix. <laughs> Yeah, we we could watch Cheers. I... We could watch Psych, and I could realize my dream of having a a Psych podcast. Okay, I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna call it a night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm just looking at some of the other little bits. Oh, Darcy Carton. Before we go, uh, a little bit more spoiler space. Not really, but uh, a little bit to tease you. Uh, Darcy Carton in her interview with Collider. When she's talking about the season two finale and possibilities for season three, she said, the end of season two, uh, it does give you a hint about where season three could go, and it's going to make the wait very hard. You're going to want season three, episode one, immediately. Thanks, Darcy. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you so much. Yes. So I, I have no doubt that we will feel that way, but it's good to know that they're confident in their product. Okay, guys. Uh, until next time, enjoy this rendition of Puddle of Mud, She Hates Me and Grandma Got Run Over by a Reindeer playing simultaneously. We'll see you next time, Ding Dongs. Knock, knock, knocking on heaven's door. 
Not, not, not.